When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the first Anfield Index Under Pressure podcast of 2024. My name's Dan Kennett, and what a glorious first podcast of 2024 this is going to be with me to talk about Liverpool 4, Newcastle 2. I've got the new 18. I've got the sports science duo. Good evening, chaps. Evening, evening, Phil. How are we doing, boys? We good? Pretty good, mate. You've got to be pretty good. I was say, love, lovely little start to the year. Lovely start. And um, and Mr. Sports Science himself, he's the hardest working man in sports science. It's, it's Mr. Simon Brundish. Evening, boys. Yeah, do you know what? The, the, this is one of those opportunities after a game like that that somebody, we should screen grab our uh, group chat during the game. If you boys falling off the fucking cliff and me going, no, we're going to win this. I'm having a great yeah. time. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> um, have you had any days off over Christmas, Si? That's what we, that's uh, what the world well, wants to know. I, I was ill, so I, I had, ah, I had okay. sad days off. And uh, but but uh, theoretically, today is I, I've been working like bits and bobs throughout. So yeah, back uh, to full health. I, I had one actual day off. Yeah, <laughs> and and he's he's from the Times newspaper. It's Mister Hamza Kalik Lunat. Good evening, Hamza. Uh, evening, everyone. Uh, yeah, the A team is a bit generous. Uh, it can't be A team without gags. Uh, for everyone that still well, remembers gags, gags on on yeah on under pressure, yeah, uh, that, that's original A team and the horrendous gif of gags <laughs> as <laughs> as face. No, he was BA, bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think we'll ever get gags back on under pressure again. Will we say? Maybe if we were in the league. It's the end of the season, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, the, that's what we're going to talk about. Right, anyway, we are here to talk about a fantastic game of football last night. Um, 
And just before we go into all the numbers and stuff, um, as per usual, we'll start with those lineups and game plans. So, Sai, um, we'd actually had five days between matches. I mean, what 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 new devilry is this? It was you know, it, it felt like over Christmas, everyone whines about uh, how many games everybody has, but we, this is the second year in a row where we've had a really, really favourable um, schedule. I was talking about this the whole time. This is our great opportunity. We kind of screwed it a little bit earlier on, but um, it, if we're going to finish the the this block in style, this is the way to go. Um, that's as close to the first team as we could have put out in this situation. I, I wonder if as narratives change throughout the Christmas uh, with fans, uh, with the, with Cara, with a bit of the media, with the Twitter, um, if this is the first consensus 11 we've put out all season, maybe well, even for no, three seasons. No, because I play Jota every time. Ah, fair enough. But consensus doesn't mean everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some weirdos like me. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, yeah. I, and I'd always I play Matip over Gomez. I'd always play Matip over Gomez. Yeah, I'd always play Matip over Gomez. And Robertson over Gomez, yeah. But yeah. Do you mean with the players that is he, is he Yeah, had yeah, to yeah. The possible available. Oh, yeah. Well, he wasn't going to start Jota because he's not, he's not had enough he games can't, yet. Yeah, Jota yeah. couldn't have played. So of, of the potential starting 11, this was the one that, that would have been picked by nearly everybody. Yeah, and everybody was worried that Jones wasn't going to start, wasn't he? But you know, after those two amazing performances against West Ham and Arsenal, I think it was he had to start because he was so good in those games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and and Klopp's been talking him up, and I, I think we how we set up this was to go uh, front foot. We were going to go man for man, um, and we set up to occupy them, to be progressive, to be. To, to give them as many decisions as possible to make individually as quickly as possible. Um, and we've got all our street balls on the pitch at the same time. We've got as many dribblers as we could possibly have on the pitch at the same time and huge physical units. So um, it, given the weather, I, I when we were driving home last night, I was like... Um, it was absolutely hurling. I was like, because after you'd messaged that this is what it was like in Liverpool, I was like, this is going to be, a, this is going to be a terrible ta- technical game. Yeah, but it, it might be really fun. It, it was it was horrific weather conditions. It was basically torrential rain all night and twenty mile an hour winds, and we come up with that performance. Unbelievable. Yeah, the the yeah. the Hardy Newcastle all effort, um, the incessant pressing, the physical team in black and white. Um, it just it looked like a a weak Kevin Keegan team in the end. Mm. Mm. It looked like an Eddie Howe team, dare I say it. Really looked like it. Didn't it? If you could take Bruno out of that, didn't it just look like a Bournemouth team? Well, they played like one. That's for sure. It was. It was. This was good old Eddie Howe, the return of the king, Eddie Howe. <laughs> can Can I just preface this by? Uh, can I give you the the uh, like physical performance numbers while we're doing it? Yeah. And um, so, you know, the the um, the narrative around Newcastle is how hard they work. And this is the the undaddy how they're the fittest team, blah, 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 blah. They grind teams into submission in Europe. They've been put like pressing them to death. And uh, both teams did 115, um, which is a lot, which is high. Uh, but Liverpool also hit their sprint um, PB of the season with 185 sprints which is mm. insane. And 
This is uh, I'm I'm aggregating data. I've been t- talking to a bunch of sports scientists over this um, uh, uh, over the last two weeks. That that there is I noticed a trend two seasons ago, but it's definitely prevalent that this is the period that the two weeks over Christmas we have this weird blip of high, of um, in, increased number of um, kilometers covered in a game mm. when everybody's tired. Uh, my feeling is that it's transition based that um you go for a, a period where everyone's a bit shit so there are much more tur- much more turnovers during a game so there's a lot but but do you remember like 5 years ago and then 3 years ago where we had uh, two games in like 2 days uh, it was like we ended up in Sunderland back to back and Lallana did 13 and a half k in two games yeah. and then the season after Milner did 13k in two games mm. like we're hitting those massive numbers everybody across the league is doing that in the in the week after christmas it's weird yeah that is weird it's just the high speed numbers are down the total distances are up yeah, but 185 sprints, that was a season high, did you say, for us? Yeah, season high for us, yeah. Wow. Wow, fair place. Um, can I assess a technical point, so something that was discussed in the in our WhatsApp group during the week, um, between you and Bart, um, the strategy of having five days in between um, games, but giving the players two days off. So th- th- that was a choice, yeah? Um, yeah. So what, do you want to just do you want to just give a technical note on the, 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 the decisions that could have been made there? So where well, it depends how you set up your season, but how uh, match day plus one, match day plus two, dependent on if you've if how it how it aligns is you go match day plus one, match day plus two, match day plus three, and then uh, you start to count back from uh, the game ahead. So match day minus three, minus two, minus one, and you have set protocols for those days. Problem mm-hmm. is when those days align. So if match day minus two is also game day plus two then game day plus two takes charge. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, And so the training that you would do on match day minus three goes out the window if it's match day plus one. Yeah. And and, uh, so with this, we actually get a match day minus three. Um, So you get, so what would happen is the two days after the game, they get off instead of doing active recovery. um, And they basically get to be off their feet. Um, and you, you just clear your head a little bit and have Christmas mm. and then come back as footballers having been a human for two days, um, which is remarkable and it's incredibly unusual in England over the Christmas period. And they get, get to come back a little bit invigorated and um, and then hit actual training. So yeah. they'll, be, they'll be able to do real on-field um like tactical challenges in 11 versus 11 because they've not been able to do that for nine weeks so chances are given if it was any other period of the year their coaching staff might have said okay well we'll have light we'll do light recovery work on those two days um and then we'll do the full normal training from the, the third day but because it was christmas time two days off everybody just come back in see you wednesday kind of thing yeah Hello. I think I think largely it's got to do with it being Christmas because they're humans and we we have good humans in charge of us. Um, but I also think it's just to do with mitigating training loads. Like some, t- it's because the workload has been so heavy. Getting them off their feet for a couple of days has been great. Yeah, yeah, nice one. Um, and Bart's coming to you on our um, on our as our opposition analyst or primary opposition analyst. Um, um, Newcastle are starting to get some players back, but not all of them. They've had obviously had they had a horrific December with injuries and the matches. They fair to say they weren't really cut out for their Champions League. They weren't ready for their Champions League campaign, were they? 
Exactly, yeah. I, mean, I think it's something we, Sai and I and you and everyone said, I think pre-season that Newcastle would probably struggle because they're just not set up to play the demands of playing two high-quality games a week. It's very different from playing, there mm. I say, Europa League or you know League Cup or FA Cup, if that's your mm. midweek game. But the level of quality they've had to play is what PSG and the like in, in, in midweek that... You can't really, unless you've got a squad like City, you can't really rest or, you know, you have to maintain a high level of quality. So that's that's shown. Uh, I mean, for this game, um, uh, Trippier was out. So Liverado, Liveramento came in, sorry. Yeah. Um, Pope, Pope was out still. Pope, Pope was out for the season, apparently. Is he for the season? Wow. Yeah, West. that's what I said in commentary. Yeah. Um, I think Wilson was out still. Wilson was out, Almiron dropped out and uh, Joe Linton played in the front line. Yeah. But they're the only two, they only made two changes in the previous game and actually Trippier and, and uh, Wilson weren't listed as injured so I don't know what's going on with them. But anyway, so the so this was largely the side that played the previous game they had against Forest, was it? I think when they got beat, is that right? They got beat yeah. at Forest. So yeah, and I think you can... Whether Howe was trying to be clever with Joe Linton up in the front three. I think they got beat at home by Knott's Forest. Yeah, Chris Woods. Chris Woods Wood had it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Chris Wood got a hat-trick. Chris Wood's got a hat-trick, wasn't it? So, yeah, but I think maybe... He was, I can't, don't want to give Eddie Howe too much credit, but Joe Linton in the, in the space where Trent would have been is something he did at St. James's Park against us yeah. last season. I was going to I was going to ask, though, um, what's the what was the logic of having um, Joe Linton in that space, not, not Gordon? I, I think to be very basic about it, and if you look at... I mean, the, the the average position of them is that they're in they're in a block, they're in two lines, and Isaac is it Isaac? Sorry, he's yeah. out on his own um, in a line. But I would have thought the really basic thing is just to hit Joe Linton with a ball, crossfield ball, and then play off him into that area where yeah. they would have perceived that there is a space going to be because Trent's going to vacate it. As we'll come on to, that didn't quite turn out that way. But that's that's what they tried to do against us <laughs> at St James's last year, last season, not this season. The weird uh, thing was though, was so, as soon as they switched it. And the second, but literally, as soon as they switched um, Gordon to the left, he, hmm. he created their. There was an interview with with Eddie before, and he talked about um, the time in between games and how he had uh, watched the uh, the United game and the yeah. Arsenal game. And what he did is just he just modelled United. They went four four one one, and they hoped to, they hoped that um, that Gordon was tasked with man marking Trent and. We just didn't bother doing it. We, yeah, and they they tried to block up the wide areas with with, uh, with Joel and Miley, who naturally he, he's just a centre mid. He just comes yeah. in from the right wing, and and he's it, he's a kid, decent physical talent, but uh, but he's not a huge guy. So yeah, I, I think this was just a big play by Eddie to to create a really low block situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it, it failed miserably, as we will come on to. God bless Eddie Hams. We love you on this show, Eddie. Um, but Hamza, um, there was um, this was a this was a fun game in many ways. And for for for, for us lovers of stats, it was quite strange to see um, expected goals being quoted mid mid commentary on on Sky TV. Um, I think that was a first, right? It just shows you how far we've come, doesn't it? From the yeah, from the dark uh, day, from the dark days. Uh, that is a positive. I think that. Over the past year, year and a half in particular, there's been a, an uptake in, uh, in people that are sort of willing to engage with uh, advanced stats, which is always a positive because it helps mm. people understand the matches a bit more. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that the shot count was really high uh, by half time too, and, and well into the, the 
Liverpool racking up the point, uh, the the XG uh, uh, quite significantly just early on. Um, but yeah, it's it's usually something I think that people sort of look to when uh, when they're leading. Uh, yeah. when they're playing well but not leading it's usually it's usually, a, it's usually it's um, usually an after the match descriptor isn't it that that, mm. that's, that, that that the mainstream tv will throw out there won't it to just like, along with the corner count and the possession count maybe and stuff like that you know maybe about how long maybe about three years ago they started using on match of the day or four years ago potentially i think it was a little actually what what, what they did they sort of soft launched it by just keeping yeah. it in the corner they didn't actually mention it so it's no. just sort of there so someone liked to wanted to see it they could but they didn't really mention it but then over the past uh, especially the last year or so uh they've been using those those stats a bit better now uh, as I, I, I can't speak for whether like xg has been used in the correct way i saw a graphic the other day on sky actually where i think they um they they put the xg put the shots or, or something like that so that there needs to be uh, with, with stats you just need to be a bit careful about how you use them but I think generally that sort of literacy is improving which which only helps for more engaged and <laughs> informed debate I think I absolutely think. absolutely uh, every every little helps as, uh, as, uh, as uh, some companies say um, but I think it's worth reminding everybody Bartz that um, when did Liverpool FC stop using expected goals was it 2017 2018 Whenever uh, Graham and the gang came along, I suppose. Uh, Spearman. Um, Spearman, yeah, because they, they created their own in-house model, which we now know has come on to be... Expected threat. Expected threat. So, and I yeah. think we called, didn't it, Liverpool call it on-ball value or something? Or, something or, like that, yeah. yeah. I mean, they won't value. call it that now. It'll be something else. No, that's stats bombs, actually, on-ball value. OBV is stats bombs. Yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah. All, it's all wrapped up in a similar kind of thing. But, um, yeah, they stopped using XG in-house a, a while ago. Yeah. Um, as I so, to be frank, quite a lot of, I don't know, Simon might be different, but from dealings with the course and when they have internships at the Premier League clubs, the students, they come back and say they don't really use XG a lot. Mm. So, you know, it, it's it's out there. And I think Hamza's right. It's sort of drip fed into this psyche and it's still not quite used um, appropriately. I mean, post shot, you get people talking about that and it confuses them even more. But um, I think yeah. it's coming. It, it's good to see it out what? there and being used in commentary. I think the context is just really key. Like we'll always talk about non-penalty XG, and I think that's lost a little bit. People just quote the seven point whenever, don't they? But yeah. there's there's two penalties in that, and they're point seven six whatever it is. So you know you you kind of chat to people and they're like, well, what does that mean? And you explain. Well, I think once you explain it to them, people get it. But it's yeah. just that repetitive nature. I mean, as I said in the chat, it's been in match of the day since 2017. Yeah. Um, so it's a while ago and it's still coming in. But yeah, no, you're right. Um, we moved away from it as a club a while ago. Yeah. Um, and just before we move on to some more match-specific stuff for Hamza, I mean, um, if we have to think about where you sit covering the game for a national publication, what what do you think would be the next advanced metric to come into general parlance in the same way that XG has? Do you think it'll be, would it be, say, like things like removing penalties, as Bart suggests, maybe the uh, XG2 or XG on target for the keepers, post-shot. Do you think it might be XT? What do you, what, what, where do you think it might go next? Well, well, I'm, I'm trying to use XT a bit more, uh, but um, some, some of that just depends on what's available. So at the moment, if you're going to use yeah, a publicly available XT, then you've just probably got to use Mark Stats, or you've got to have your own model, uh, or you, you pay a subscription to someone like uh, Stats for for their on-ball value. Uh, or Opta for, the, for their own XT model. Uh, yeah. the, the issue there is, though, is if just one sort of outlet is using XT, then it, 
I, I mean, the great thing about something like FB Ref, right, is that anyone can access it, and that just helps yeah. because anyone can see what's going on and put some time in and, and sort of decipher trends for themselves. And once you become a bit more familiar with the data and you say, oh, actually, uh, 0.2 XG per shot is, is super high, and you just hear that number go straight away, I understand that's a high number. Or if you go, this team is actually... Uh, their, their, their conversion rate is is like 6%. You go straight away. I, I know that's low. That's really low. That's probably something that's going to change and yeah. regress to a higher value. Once you become familiar with that, then it becomes a bit easier. So uh, so having publicly accessible information helps with that. Um, I think already uh, the, there is uptake for post-shot XG. Um, the, there's a slight issue there in that post-shot XG. I mean, so take notes and I think tweeted yesterday in response to a tweet by Michael Cayley. Mm. Michael Cayley just put a list up of the team, the goalkeepers in the league with the highest expected uh, post-shot XG over performance, and Vicario was top. Um, however, uh, Ted Knutson, Statsbomb's uh, CEO, also posted uh, their version, uh, and Alison's top for that. And what the Statsbomb model does, it takes into account the keeper positioning uh, a bit better than the, than the Opta one. Uh, so, for example, if a ball is squared across the goal uh, and the keeper's out of action, it takes into account what, what, what's going there. So if a ball goes straight down the middle, uh, that would have a low sort of value on the Opta model because it's down the middle. But because the keeper's out of the way, it's a bit different stats model. So are, are, you, are, you, are you saying that the stat, the CEO of StatsBomb was out there saying why his stats... XG yeah, model yeah. was better than everybody else's. Yeah, wow. but, uh, but um, I, I, with his very expensive licensed products, <laughs> amazing. But anything that puts Alison top is usually yeah. a <laughs> your test. But 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 so the, the the point I'm trying to make, and then so there's those two examples, and then you take someone like John Harrison who does his own stuff. Yeah, yeah. With with goalkeeper XG, and and between those three models, you see quite over time quite a sort of uh, significant discrepancy. The sort of one that you really want ironed out if you if you want to engage with um, goalkeeping statistics sort of um, in depth. I mean, it, we can talk about this another time, but if you take sort of post-shot XG on penalties as well, uh, there's a lot of values on, on if you look at FOTMOB uh, that are 0.99 and, and I think and one even, uh, which just seems a, a, bit, a bit high. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I was going to say to you when you posted this today, I mean, if you've got Unless you unless you only want one percent of your shots being as point nine nine expected, you know, post mm. shot. You know, yeah. you don't want any more than that. You know, so yeah. So if you've got anything on that, please share with us um, your, your data so we can have a look at that, and maybe Phil can get one of his undergrads on it for you. Uh, oh yeah, I was, I was meant to send that along. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Hamza. The you, when you mentioned the group last night about the pen, um, specifically, and when when uh, the pen got saved and how it was a point nine five, the a shot right down the middle of the goal doesn't get you a 0.95. A penalty right down the middle of the goal goes in 95% of the time. It's th- it's just a different way. It, like it's it's a it's a different truth. Um, yeah, it's probably it's probably it's probably a the, each each situation has probably got its own post shot model. Penalties will have a different. That's yeah. the bottom line. Yeah. Keepers dive in a, 92% of the time. Keepers dive out of the way. Hmm. Um, just a question. Uh, do you want to guys want to have a go on that? Which do you think will be the next advanced stat to go mainstream? Um, I think post shot Hamza has already started to drip that in. I think it's coming in. I think XC won't go mainstream for another year or so because I think there's too much variance between the models. Yeah, I don't. Think you can, I don't think you can readily get it. You know, like we do it, and I work it out a little bit, and Mark our stats does a little bit, but you can't. 
you can't get it as readily as XG, post-shot XG. I know. For me, post-shot XG and the understanding of that. And the situation stuff, as Sai's just said, that's an excellent point. That kind of level of education, I think, in the mainstream is what's needed next to fully understand what you're talking about. This is a penalty. It's a different set of rules. It's not open play. So what we really need is understat 2.0, don't we? Yeah. (laughs) We need some crazy Russians, so are there, and understat 2.0. Yeah, but even even then, no one cares about XG chain, chain or XG builds. So, like, understat yeah. don't even most people don't care about XA. So, I I think we're uh, five years away from the next anything uh, at at the earliest. If you look at we, everybody tracks American everything, culture, sport uh, to see what's coming next. Um, there was big evolutions in in the NBA, analytically, statistically, in in terms of TV production and what's available. They still mostly only care about the same stuff as they did before. The same goes in baseball. It's that the people that like watching Paul Merson couldn't give a shit about X. <laughs> I'm just thinking from a from a from a TV perspective, it would be quite easy to do XG on target or post shot from the keeper's perspective, from doing it from inside the frame of the goal. And I think, you know, yeah, I think I that's think, quite, I think that's quite an understandable concept. That might be right. the thing that hits the TV, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I think, I think Sars actually touched on a pretty important point. I think this is all media, like media driven. I think yeah. until the contract changes, people are happy. We were chatting about this in the group. People are fairly happy with Sky Gifton. Do you know what yeah. I mean? There's, no, there's not a big push to say, no one, I hate Sky, that the, the coverage isn't good, it's not analytical enough. Until you, until you get that contract change, I don't think there will be a massive push to say, right, let's do this, do this. I mean, Amazon used to do, last season, they did loads mm-hmm. of uh, live stats in the game. Um, and that went this season because people just didn't use it. And then Amazon yeah. now pulled out. So I just think it's, a lot of it is down to, for me, who owns that contract. At the moment, Sky on the contracts, people are happy with that product. They're just going to carry rolling it out. Yeah. If, you, if you see the American sports have been taken, the ones that have been um, hijacked by streamers. So uh, baseball is now on the random games of baseball is now on Prime or on Apple, and they yep. both try to add different types of um, stats. Stats, and the the only one that they re- that's stuck that they push is uh, is basically win probability added. So it's uh, because it aligns with betting. Yeah. Like live betting, so oh, it's okay. at this point of the game, this team is more likely to have won to to be to win, and and so it's all it's all down to betting. Interesting. Anyway, let's talk about that's a nice little um, <laughs> that's a nice little segue. Um, but we'll get to I'll just before we start to talk about the match, I'm going to do. Rosie very kindly did us a match summary because we we couldn't I couldn't let another show go by with me murdering a match summary in Rosie's absence. So um um so just imagine this in in a in a deep Yorkshire brogue instead. So 34 shots equaled our highest of the season uh, and uh, anyone else this season uh which was the the game against Man United recently. So we we got the two highest shot totals in a, in a match this season. Uh 29 shot difference. So we had 34 Newcastle had five. That's the second best we've ever had uh behind a game 30 we had against uh, Hull City, Burnley and Man United in 2018-19. That was Josie Mourinho's last match for Man United when we had a a plus 30 shot difference in that match. Uh, We had 14 shots on target. Um, That's the joint highest 
third highest under Klopp, just behind 15 against Sunderland and 17 against Watford in 2016-17. Now, is that the game we, we drew at Watford or the game we won? I can't remember. Oh, the 5-0. I, I I'm presuming it's the 5-0. Um, 25 shots in the box. That's the best we've ever had under Klopp. Three clear of the previous best of 22, which we've managed three times before. And 21 shots in the box difference. That's also the highest uh, we've got by three. Um, nine big chances. So nine big chances. We finally had our revenge for Napoli away last year when we conceded nine, which was our worst ever under Klopp. Uh, or oh, actually worst ever at Liverpool, I think, um, generally. Nine. We had um, um, nine in the Rogers season away at Spurs, which was... Uh, Antonio Villas-Boas' last match in charge for Spurs where we had nine big chances and under Klopp we'd had eight um, twice against Arsenal um, which was fun including the 2-2 last season and against Leeds in the 6-0 against Leeds we also had eight big chances and taking out the pens there was obviously we're talking about the XG on Sky saying it's the record XG for Opta since 2010 in a match in the Premier League um, we always focus on the non-penalty in this, sh- in this show and five point two five non penalty XG is by far the fi- highest we've had, beating four point four, um, which was the six nil against Leeds in February twenty twenty two, and sixty seven touches in the box is the highest we've ever had. Um, again under Klopp, edging sixty six against Leicester, um, when we lost one nil, and that was two seasons, uh, three seasons ago. We lost one nil at Leicester. I think Mo Mo Salah missed a penalty and a load of other big chances, um, and. There was a game actually over Christmas where Arsenal got seven. I think it, Bart, did you see this? But Arsenal got 70, 77, 78 touches in the box against West Ham. Yeah, I thought is it, it's one of the ones that got, yeah, West Ham would have thought that's the one they were yeah, in the box. I'm sure they got like 70. It was the record. It was the, I think it was the record ever up to penalty box touches Arsenal had. And they lost, what was the point of scoring that West Ham game? 2 0. 2 0. Yeah, it's an absolute classic. They had, with, with they another had, out of play thing, another ball out of play thing. Yeah, didn't they have about five XG as well? Yeah, I'm just looking now for you. Yeah, uh, West Ham. There you go. Uh, they had uh, oh, blimey, can't get all the stats up. Yeah, this is good radio. Uh, they had two points. No, they only had two point seven XG. Um, yeah, not as high as I thought. Yeah, two point seven okay. XG. Five big yeah, chances, that's... all missed. Eight on target, thirty shots. Wow! Uh, what, a sh- what a shame, eh, Bart? What a shame! What, what a shame! I mean, it's really annoying when you got Arsenal fans living there. You're just really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet they after that Christmas they've gone very, very quiet all of a sudden. Oh, they were. I mean, to be fair to them, I, I think I told you in the group they they were very uh, nice about the game. The fact that their player played basketball in the box and we should have had a penalty, so um, they were quite nice after that game. But then they went really quiet for the following two games. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and in this game, some other ones, other <laughs> stats. It was 63% possession for us. Um, yeah, so an absolute historic in many ways um, Premier League match. And i come to you, Hamza, just quickly to start off with. I mean, to be fair to Newcastle, they did keep it close for the first 10 minutes. 
Yeah, but I, I don't know how much weight you, you can assign to the first 10 minutes when you can see so much later on. Um, but even then, in, in that first 10, there were signs of, uh, in particular, uh, Diaz looked very, very sharp, which is a welcome sort of thing to see. Um, he, he attempted two dribbles early on, I think, in the first 20. Uh, one was mm. very nicely um, timed with uh, with Curtis Jones because what they did... Um, uh, Curtis was infield uh, and he sort of pulled out to the left which dragged the player and allowed Diaz to drive inside and then later on he, he drove to get the penalty uh, but yeah um, the, the first few um, minutes were a little sort of um, well the first minute uh, uh, as often is the case like a little bouncy um, bouncing around but then after, I think we already had our, our first shot within the within the second minute to be honest the, Trent almost had one yeah that, that's it was, the one it that was, was deflected, it, was deflected. Yeah. it only went about an inch wide of the post yeah, so um, yeah, I, I wouldn't assign too much uh, to that, that that first ten. Uh, but yeah, um, I was being nice, it's Chris. You know, it's, it's New Year. We can't be too mean straight away. But yeah, um, Sai, <laughs> what did you see in those early exchanges that um, uh, that you liked? Because you were all over this match. It's fair to say, right from the right from the, a very early stage, you were really engaged in this match. Yeah, we were just we we were spread. So we were using the whole width of the pitch. We had basically the, to as um, a counter to their two flat banks. We had um, like four different uh, cul-de-sacs set up for it for the uh, the counter press. As soon as we forced the pass, it got turned over. We already had three guys there to to go and win it straight back. It was incessant. We were we were not letting them into the into our half at all. They had four touches in our half in the first ten minutes. Um, they 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 only had uh, seven touches in our half in the first sixteen minutes. So, we, like we were totally dominant, and uh, we had a proactive, aggressive dribbling Diaz which was really nice to see it looked like the Mane version of Diaz when he first arrived um we got um Darwin like really high up the pitch central um and we were playing we were using um like as a a pincer move we were using Mo uh like wide 10 yards deep but right on the touchline to play through Mo and then totally changed the angle of of attack and he was the one that was creating into the box um and we were making runs around that so we constantly had um pressing we constantly had third man runners into and beyond the box it was they were they were spinning their heads were spinning they had no idea what to do to cope so we spent a long time last season say too many pots talking about Pressing was no good. Pressing was now, I think. I think a number of times we said it's now more of a cost than it is of a benefit because we were so bad at it and it was leaving us so vulnerable. It was chasing, not pressing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Jurgen was ecstatic about the counter pressing post match. It's such a shame that we don't have our pressing days for anymore. Um, for you know Rosie and Gags's new jobs, unfortunately. But what, if we had the pressing data, what what might we be talking about? Because this this did look quite old school performance. This was like proper heavy metal, right? It, it comes about from two things, spacing and timing of passes. So the timing of passes were while we had the good spacing. So if you lose possession, we were there to, to go win it back straight away. But uh, I, I'm sure I've talked about this before. I talk about it all the time in my coaching. Every player, what's next? You get the ball, make a pass, what's next? 
all of our players knew what the plan was next and they were making that it was a burst so whether they made uh like a an inside out run five meters but they then knew what the next move maneuver for them to be doing would be um so that they would then go oh, sprint off in a different direction and a pass might come it might not the pass might go elsewhere but it was all super fast, super intense with one or two touches at most in a, in, in from a, whoever was in possession. And that's the big difference for us. The, instead of just recycling slow and deep amongst the defenders, when, when teams back off and la- allow us to, um, our defense to have the ball, we have been languid and just allowed them to do it. And we didn't try to impose ourselves, but we were punching the balls through the, through the lines, through each phase, um, five meter passes, really hard, trusting each other because they're all technically great, but everybody was making really good angles to receive possession. Yeah. Now, Bart's, I mean, we've always talked about one of the important things we needed to do is compress that pitch. We compress the pitch and allows us the, the, the tight spaces where we can work in in transition and counter pressing yeah and we saw yeah. this we really i mean some of your data viz that you've done on this when the on our locations of what we did shows you you know literally the two center backs were on the edge of the center circle and yeah. then all you know trent gomez and endo were all inside the other side of the center circle in, in the newcastle half yeah I, th- I think i said to you uh i said in discord today i think this is the best Goes along with what Sai was saying, the best space, the best shape, the best amount of connections I've seen all season. Um, there's triangles all over the pitch. Um, I think we've also said consistently on this pod about it doesn't doesn't necessarily matter about who's in the space, but we need to occupy the space to get the synchronicity to work. And you can see that. And the other pleasing thing for me is that the connections are every every department of the team are connected. So there is a vertical passing from the back to front, Van Dyke into Diaz or Van Dyke to Salah. There's a Canate into the front. Then there's the middle, there's the midfielders, like you said, Endo, uh, Gomez and Trent occupying that sort of secondary line. They have also got vertical, they've got horizontal. And then you've got the two uh, eight players operating in the half space channels of um, Dom and Jones connecting at will in a in a myriad of triangles between the three players around them of with Jones you had Endo Gomez and Diaz with uh, Dom you had Endo uh, Trent and Salah but it, and they're all still connected with Nunes as well not as high volume as needed but that was left to Salah and, and Diaz to provide um, good volume into into Diaz which is why he had he was involved in in a lot of the positive things we did. So I think the positivity to go back to answer your point about what were the pressings, I, I would suggest it's not a big shout. I would suggest both our eights would be top pressers. Uh because of the way that they're if you look at the zones maps on the touches so where they're picking it up, they're they're in the crux of the connections in the right and left zones, if you get what I mean. Yeah. So we form this horseshoe. So that's on the ball because we were counter pressing that high to then get the get possession higher up. That I don't think that would be too dissimilar if I ran that with data for the off the ball picture as well. So I think Curtis and and Dom would have been fairly near the top in certainly in terms of counter pressing, and I would have expected us to have some uh, low value chains, maybe three fours, because we were winning it quite uh, successfully. The thing to note, and you've put in the chat, is that it's quite interesting. We stopped them to a large part passing between their two centre-halves. Yeah. 
So the white line indicates a low uh, passing accuracy between players. And that is, there is a white line between Newcastle's two set of halves, which meant they had to go vertically into uh, Bruno. I think that is who's in the halfway line. Yeah. So we, and we often talk about controlling the way the opposition play. So we wanted them to play in these areas and we stopped that easy ball for the centre-half to make to his partner. So therefore, he had to go wide or we had to go vertically. Yeah, um, and I think um, Gimaraes would have easily been the most targeted player. Oh, for sure, 100%. Uh, and also, I think Byrne would have yeah. been as well, given his situation. He's not the quickest. He's a centre-half no. playing left-back. Um, so they would have been, I would have would have expected them to be the the two targeted if we'd, if we'd got the data. Yeah, you know their long their long ball. It's the other thing about them is that uh, Eddie's a prick, and I thought it was his assistant. I saw that it was his assistant who was the prick. Well, I actually like him. He's nice, but he, he chooses that assistant. So you know, you okay. are what you are. Um, but dim. Let's say how many times have we played Bournemouth and gone Bournemouth basically set up set up like tackle dummies for us? They do the exact thing that we want to practice our press yeah. against. Yeah. And they did exactly yeah. this for the first 15 minutes that um, they had 52% of their touches in their in their deepest third. Opportunity and, knocks. And they were just pla- trying to pass the ball around with the goalie and the centre-backs. The goal yeah. was terrible. Yeah. yeah. And it, with his feet, like reputedly, everybody knows this. It was It was insane uh, way to practice that the Newcastle have a long ball rate of 9.6. In this game, it was 10.1. What are you doing? You don't have your good players. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Hamza, this is the first time you've really had the chance to come on and to under pressure and talk about pressing. Um, you've obviously um, listened to a lot of stuff we used to, and the data we used to collect. Um, what did you think um, the biggest takeaways were from this match and you know, how we've gone back to the future almost here? Yeah. Uh- I think it might actually be worth just mentioning Newcastle's pressing as well, because uh, I thought that was really poor. It actually allowed Liverpool to play through it. As in, if there's an example of what what good pressing looks like, it would be Liverpool's, and what what bad pressing looks like, I'd I'd, I'd look at Newcastle's. Because um, one thing, so when Newcastle sat back, especially in the opening ten, it was just uh, Liverpool had shots and worked it really well. But there's a little bit of oh, they're sitting back. We know how this may play out. But um, what Liverpool did quite well is when they went back to 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 Allison or Van Dijk or Canate, um, Newcastle sort of pressed up in a really limp, limp way. Uh, so Isak would might lead at some points, uh, and the way that we talk about um, horizontal compactness all the time is, and if you're in the box, the the distance between fullback to fullback, making sure that's tight and compact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the distance between centre-back and, and striker is just as, if not actually more important. Yeah. Uh, and when Newcastle are pressing, the space between their deepest player and their most forward uh, and their furthest forward player was, was quite great. And yeah. the spaces in between were also quite significant as well. So Liverpool could play through really easily and access uh, access their forwards on the half turn and in trans and create transitions of their own through that that mechanism and that was you see the the pass that um, Curtis Jones makes towards Darwin Nunez and then Diaz scores but but Nunez is offside that was yeah. an example of, of just precisely that where a team isn't 
pressing particularly well. And that's the sort of thing that may sort of spark some bad memories from last season, although I don't think they ever got that bad for us. Uh, but as in, it was very easy to play through uh, in that manner against such a weak I'm press. just so gutted. I'm just so gutted that Curtis won't get that to register as, his, as a hockey assist. It was mm, just such yeah. a glorious ball. Well, it should have just been an assist, right? But um, yeah, yeah. we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but uh, as in, so there's that example. Then there's the, um, uh, there's a goal that comes just just like that again, playing in tra- generating uh, a transition ourselves by playing deep and then playing quickly through the lines. Mm. Uh, so uh, that would be um, uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I think as good as Liverpool's press was and performance was, Newcastle's press was was pathetically limp. And remember the personnel as well. As often Simon often talks about how it's really important to have fast, strong players, especially at the back, make sure that you've got a really rapid back four, and mm. Liverpool do. And Newcastle didn't. Livermento is quick, uh, but Dan Byrne, uh, uh, Botman and Cher um, aren't like matchups for, for Diaz, Salah and, uh, and Nunez, even if Salah is a yeah. little bit slow than he was. I mean, Joe, Joe, Joe Gomez was low-key low excellent in this match, wasn't he, with his 1v1s defending? I think, think low-key is... is, is unfair I think I think he no just because I mean there were so many other good performances mm. elsewhere yeah what I mean is because you know the Salah will get the headlines and Curtis Jones and stuff but you know what I mean that's what I meant like low-key it, sorry it's, it's with Gomez it's also coming to the point where his his stats are actually starting to look like sort of um near best in the league if you look at his aerial jaw win rate as well I think yeah. uh he, he is going at one second uh, 80% this season. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, I think Canate is around 67. So Canate has the, the worst of the three sort of centre-backs. And that's not a bad. 67 for the third best. played full-back. So he's yeah. not he's not playing against a big, strong striker. But, so but he does have a big advantage. That's a bonus, though, Simon. If you can get an if you can get a if you can get a guy who doesn't l- limit the team and he can still go out there and win 80% of his aerials, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, all I'm saying is, it's not comparable to other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's much it's, more compar- comparable to Dan. Well, Miller. and I don't think we ever mentioned this is why we need to. People need to look at Mark Mark Arstatz's is EL, uh, ELO for aerials because he does a chess rate in the EL, ELO system. So he just compares each. You know, no matter how good you are or bad you are on your aerial win rate, you always get compared directly against the person you duel against, and then you adjust accordingly. So. Yeah, that's probably the best model on the internet for aerial jewels. But anyway, that's enough nerdery. Oh, but uh, sorry, uh, you asked me about Liverpool's pressing. And, uh, uh, yes, and, please. Uh, sorry, um, uh, the, the, I think I'll just go through what Klopp said after the match with him that um, Jones is, is now setting the level for, for counter pressing. Uh, and if you, you yes. look at the the intensity that he uh, he showed when Liverpool lost the ball, or, or, or in moments of potential transition, and, and how quick he was on to, uh, was to, to seize those yeah. and immediately turn them into advantageous ones. Because Newcastle were at Anfield for, for, for one purpose: to sit back and counterattack and counterattack effectively. That was the whole plan. So in those moments, the transi- uh, the, the counter press is, is critical to stopping. Uh, Newcastle breaking and also to create opportunities where as they decide to break from their defensive shape, just in those moments where the fullbacks go, all right, we're about to move forward. Gimaraj gets his head up, tries to look forward. Gordon breaks and Isak breaks. Uh, that's a moment where you want to steal the ball and suddenly everyone is at position and you've got Diaz, Salah and Nunez who can break freely. And, and that's what, what Jones did. And he, 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 he was excellent in that role. Uh, and he, I think he, he paired very well with Endo as well um, in doing that. Um, Just like the Arsenal game. Outstanding mm-hmm. in that game as well. Um, but 
Um, we talked a lot about Curtis um, after we switched to WWM last spring against mm-hmm. Arsenal. And even then, when we had the data, then we were saying that him and Jota were the two the two key players in terms of our, our off-ball work. And the return of the production we saw in the, in the spring, it was largely down to those two players. They were just absolutely, with this compressed space, that we were more bodies in there. They just thrived. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I think just to back up what Hamza said, uh, Curtis was involved in 10, 10 duels, both round and early, and only lost three. Mm. Um, and Newcastle, again, only competed for three duels in our, in our defensive third, which gives you an indication of how much appetite they had to go forward. But no, I think CJ's both on and off the ball in this period has really come to light. Uh, his duel rate's been good. He's both aerially and, and on the ground. Uh, his pass, passing's always been a, a good facet of his, but I think it's it's up in... Uh, what's his pass rate for this one? I can't remember it now. It's always... Um, it was just below 90. I think it was 88. Just below 87.7. So, um, yeah. Which is just in a big game. It's still a fantastic number. Fantastic. Yeah. Considering he's in a heightened position, do you know what I mean? And we're asking yeah. him to take those risks. And so I'll come on to it, a possession control coming up. But he's, I just think is the hub of it we, we spoke about remember the palace pod we did where the left side just wasn't functioning yeah. and actually to be fair we've only really changed one player yeah, well no it was Simicast it was Simicast Grav yeah, yeah and, but I mean, yeah, you've yeah. actually potentially lost a bit of the attacking output by not having a left footed left back right I mean yeah, Gomez true. had a great game but in terms of the ability to go down the line and put a ball in Gomez isn't going to do that it's going to do other things so you've actually changed that model but in terms of the linking with Diaz to bring Diaz alive, I would suggest the last two performances from Diaz have been marg- exceptionally better night and day from the previous two. Hmm. Um, and maybe some of that is the quality of ball that CJ is enabling to move into those areas. I think CJ is very good at carrying, moving it and then putting it into areas where players can then perform at their best. That ball that Hamza said is the hockey assist, it, for me, is a classic CJ kind of movement to do because uh, he, he's not the person that delivers the assist, but he looks at the, assesses the space and says, I need to put the ball there so that player can do his job. Um, and I think we've missed that a large part of the game. And he's he's probably learned a lot of that. Well, I would, would, would hope he's learned some of that from having Thiago, who is very good at that as well, uh, managing the space. But no, I, I think CJ's been uh, becoming that one of those uh, leaders, if you like, of this this charge we seem to be on as a team. But certainly mm-hmm. our attacking output for me has improved markedly since he's returned to the starting eleven, like it did, as you said, at the back end of last season. Um, Sorry, there's no bigger fan of Curtis Jones in the world, actually, I don't think, than you. Um, <laughs> and he was absolutely tremendous again. He was neat. The beauty of him is he is a six foot two, thinks he's David Silver, um, and he's practiced to be David Silver his whole life. So he's incredibly comfortable in tight situations. He has been in our system since Klopp arrived. So the fundamental principles of of a Klopp's way of working is how he learned to read and write football movement. So bit by bit, he's pieced this together. So he knows how a system works. He knows the as I said, fundamental principles of said system, the minimum standards of um, of how a team should set up and should work, and how it interchanges, um, and how patterns work, and how and which patterns are necessary to our play, and he's bit by bit being allowed to uh, demonstrate that mastery, and it's a modern. I, I think it's it's a it's a modern um, skill set 
that we haven't always valued in football. Um, but you can see how, where, as that as David Silva got aged and he moved back from the front line into midfield, um, he his assists and stuff went down, but he became much more like the tick attacker, um, Chavi and uh, older Iniesta of connecting. But the way he connects is to connect pattern to pattern rather than just player to player. And they can dictate how sequences occur at what times and the way um, CJ picks and chooses ha- how long to retain possession, uh, which direction to turn to uh, engage the ma- the most number of uh, of opposition players to press him so he can then release the ball. That's the stuff you don't you can't count and he doesn't lose the ball. Uh, and he wins it back like he runs around like a lunatic these but days. You, you, it's you, not something I mean, natural to him. You, you're saying David Silver, but I mean, you, you, David Silver never had physicality, athleticism, and pace. You no, know, he's six and, two. Yeah, he, yeah. He was, and, and, he was and, and this is this, this is this is like David Silver. If you like heavy metal, he's, he's had this fantastic combination, like you said. And he never, he very rarely gives the ball away. It's just yeah. uh, just a perfect blend. Yeah, he's a very very modern footballer. And I, I think he's taken, at the same time as he's taken a while for fans to appreciate it because it's not the thing that you get that uh, that that you see on TikTok. Um, <laughs> it's I think he has grown into understanding it himself. But it wouldn't surprise me if he became um, this incarnation of Klopp's sides, um, like Kagawa. Or uh, I, I don't mean that in a positional sense. I just mean in in how it made the team work. Yeah. So so he's like the um, metronome. Yes, he's, he's he's involved, right? And should we talk about possession control now? Because this was something that I had never seen before on the internet before you created it. I think about three seasons ago. And do you just want to give everybody an overview of what, what possession control is? Ostensibly, it's the number of uh, number of a person's touches they won or lost. That's it. So, so um, it adds up every time they get they have possession of the ball. How they got possession of the ball by winning it by by getting their team um, possession, and then against how many times they lose their team possession. So. Yeah. Um, that's it. There are, there are a bunch of different uh, uh, categories and statistics I add into this, but that's that's how that's ostensibly how it works. Um, and you, the more we look at it, you can kind of weight it against what we would talk about earlier: expected threat or xG chain or yeah. progressive passes per touch. I look at progressive meters per touch, um, so you can see how attacking, how risk. Um, how much risk a player is willing to take, a midfielder in particular. So he, if you can compare them against all midfielders in the country, you, the better defensive sixes, the better p- in possession defensive sixes tend to be higher in possession control because they win more uh, a greater percentage of their possession and then they give the ball four yards away. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas uh, a streaky attacking... Um, uh, Callum Hudson Odoi is going to lose the ball quite a lot because yeah. he takes lots of risks and dribbles a lot, so he'll lose the ball there. And and he doesn't 
run really he doesn't try really hard to get the ball back so he'll be he'll have a really low negative possession control and a, and a low negative possession control there's anything is 10 is really you you're not comfortable with that and if it gets into the 20s you better be giving your team um, a lot of expected threat and if you, if you if you if you play deeper in the pitch you don't really want to be negative at all if you play primarily in your own half you have a really deep six yeah where you know Whereas if you are so, if you play in the middle third, anything regarding about minus one to minus three is is in the good range. Would you say, sorry? Yeah, 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 I'd say that. I'd say that. And if you're more like a James Madison, who who's it? You're, you're trying to create, then you can tolerate, you know, minus ten to minus fifteen. If you get in the creativity of, as a, on on the flip side, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly yeah. that. So, um, but you have to weight that against, obviously, not just against these numbers, but against the timing. So um, they have to be smart enough to know when they're going to take take these risks, and the team have to be set behind them so that they don't turn that into big transition moments against you. Yeah. So, so we can't count those. But I did um, ask you to plot every player in the league uh, with preparation for this pod, because just to see how high Curtis was ranking. Because you said obviously Rodri would be the standout. Yeah, because he, he he has over a hundred touches per game and doesn't really lose possession that much. Um, and then other than and he's the other, best in the world. Yeah, in his position, and it's fair to say that Curtis is pretty damn high in this chart. There's a few surprises. Uh, um, Philip Billing at Bournemouth, for example, is a you know he's a real standout. The, the young lad at Brighton, the replacement Casido, surprise, surprise, there Brighton scout and Belaber. He looks like one to keep an eye on. The two Everton lads potentially are surprised their si, high up on the chart. Um, or not this, is, this, is because, this is because we weighted touches with um, possession control. If we done, I, I have it for our squad and I've done it for midfielders. If we weighted um, progressive metres per touch against okay. it, then all of those lads you talk about drop away. Right, okay. So it, if we, uh, I'll I'll put it in the group later. Um, but progressive metres per touch, so that, that risk... Um, then you have against your control. Yeah, he be, he's the third best in the country. Yeah. So he's got that. He's got that creativity, but also without losing the ball. And on the rare occasions we do lose the ball, he's a fucking demon at the counter pressing as well. Yeah. So that that's pretty much the ideal modern footballer in that respect, isn't it? Exactly. And uh, as is as is Rodri is the perfect modern six. Yes. Anyway, we do have to talk about other players now, other than Curtis Jones. <laughs> so, and the game. Yeah let's, talk, yeah, let's talk about the game. Um, let's talk about one big moment. Let's talk about one big moment which encapsulates um, some nice counter-pressing. And that was the first penalty. Um, but because um, on this one, um, Diaz, first of all, runs into a bit of a blind alley, doesn't he, in field? But we got three players there to counter-press immediately. Mm-hmm. I think Endo wins it. I think Endo comes away with Endo Jones and maybe maybe Diaz himself. And then all of a sudden, we've got a four on four and Diaz is running at them in the yeah. box. And, and this is where Diaz does his thing, doesn't he? he just myriads runs into, dribbles of speed into the box, taken into wherever he wants to go, ends up in the six yard box, uh, six yard box. And someone take, uh, clips him and he goes down for a penalty. Uh, but I think this but is exactly what Klopp wanted. It was a, it was a uh, a trap, if you like. We counter press well, and then we released the runner we had, who's who's excellent at that opportunity, and he drove in. And but that wasn't the, 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 the thing that hasn't been the say always used to talk about. When we weren't in a position, we weren't ready. The team, whole team last season, wasn't ready when for when we did lose the ball. We were completely out of position. We were uncomfortable. And but this, you know, 
we lost it there. Diaz lost it. He ran into a good challenge, but we we were there, and it, it was almost like an opportunity for us. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. We were set up better. I think we were also, I think Sizewick about it in the in the preamble, saying that we were just better set up to understand when someone goes there, they need to be there to make sure we're not counted on our transition not against us. And that's, I think, this is what twenty games into a season. And we, uh, I keep saying we keep we we looked a lot more synced in doing that. Um, I mean, anything I have with this, I, I'm, I'm not sure Diaz can't just finish it anyway. But anyway, there you go. Um, <laughs> but no, I thought I thought it was a it was a good example of us creating. And then uh, Mo obviously has, as we've already discussed, uh, took the a high percentage chance, and the keeper just got lucky and saved it. Um, Hamza, you you had to uh, you were witness to Newcastle fans for some reason on Twitter last night complaining about two penalties in, in a game they conceded over seven xg, um, and, they, and one of the penalties didn't even concede from, and it, which was this one. Um, it was a pretty remarkable double miss, wasn't it, from us? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs Mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Uh, yeah, um, uh, before we just jump into that, and uh, 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 well, I think, it, yeah, uh, so when Diaz makes that run, I mentioned earlier, Jones has that thing where he peels off to create the space in field so he can run. Uh, and interestingly, uh, Anthony Taylor sort of. Diaz rides the first challenge and Anthony Taylor sort of plays advantage and he takes like five, three steps more and then he gets tackled and he doesn't give the foul, uh, which I guess we can come back to later on the Joe Linton thing. Uh, but yeah, then, then the, then the yeah. press happens and Endo, Endo, Endo's quite smart in that uh, he uses Taylor as, um, a sort of screen, so he appears from behind. <laughs> no, I'm totally serious, as in yeah. the, 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 the Newcastle player that picks up the ball just sort of looks up and out and behind. Taylor's yellow jersey appears Ender and snap is onto the ball and then Liverpool break. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, a bit of a delay before the penalty, which never seems to help. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a good save. Um, uh, I think, Sai, I, I, I don't know if this bit was on the, the start of the pod, but um, he's hit it really hard. Uh, he's hit it centrally. Uh, often uh, it, it goes in, uh, just didn't um but yeah it was uh, the top, the, it wasn't it wasn't the top half of the net which is usually the, the thing that mm. differentiates these things as well um as, yeah. as Salah explained though uh in his post-match uh, interview uh, it, not just that he, what he actually said was uh the goalkeeping coach had a sort of uh tried to pass a message to Dubravka and that just sort of uh, messed with his his head a little uh he thought oh I know what I'm gonna do and he changed his mind ah. uh, and anyone that's taken a penalty uh 
knows that if you change your mind sort of yeah. just before the penalty or mid penalty, uh, that is usually the moment at which you, uh, you've missed your penalty. Uh, and, and then when it comes to second penalty, as Salah said later in, in the post match interview, he just went, okay, I know what I practice. I'm sticking to my sides and I'll just place it there. But yeah, uh, but that always happens. Uh, well, that, that often happens. So what you're saying is it wasn't, it wasn't all to do with the boots then? Uh, we can say it's all to do with the boots, uh, Salah's magic boots. He's, I think someone, <laughs> someone mentioned that he's got these the same size as uh, Darwin Nunez, so um, I'm sure he can leave a, a nice pair. <laughs> oh. It's an enduring image, I'll tell you what. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I don't know, you feeling the worst at that point? Um, it was a, we just had a disallowed goal, the pen missed, the, the Trent, oh, you didn't even mention the Trent missed there, um, Hamza. I mean, oh, of yeah. all the players, of all that, the players. That was, uh, yeah, it was quite bad. But then I think barely a minute later, um, Diaz was on the break again, running into the box, um, and then had had another shot. Um, it, it, to me at this point, uh, there wasn't a real sort of feel of nervousness. It was just, oh, a penalty has been missed rather than that penalty is going to, uh, bite the team in the backside afterwards. Uh, the, the, the process still felt felt good. The means at which Liverpool were able to open up the, those opportunities felt uh, pretty easy. Uh, so yeah, at this point, I don't think there was that sort of nervous. A- and I think the, the, the crowd also believed that too. There wasn't yeah. any sort of murmurings of "oh, we've we've uh, we've wasted our one one good opportunity here." I think there was an expectation that more would come. What about um, after the? Newcastle disallowed goal, 37 minutes, because we just missed another big chance, Nunes again. Um, and then the most marginal of offside calls um, stops it from being 0-1. Um, yeah, uh, it was in, at the same time, Liverpool also had their, their own offside call, uh, as, as we covered earlier, the, yeah. uh, the Nunes one. Um, yeah, uh, that was... Did Canate play the line on that one? I'm just grabbing, getting it up right um, um Here we go. Uh, yeah, it was Canate that um, uh, they were checking. Uh, but yeah, uh, as we sort of discussed earlier, like um, this was the Newcastle game plan, as in try and pick through a moment to to break. And I think this one started uh, deep. I think the, the, the Curtis tried to intercept the ball, and uh, Gordon just beat him to it and did a sort of loop in uh, in field, then played out wide. And then from there, oh, actually, no, there's, there's the little detail was actually uh, Van Dyke moved up around 30 seconds before this. Uh, and he actually tried to, I, th- I think, as, as in his role as captain, actually tried to encourage the team to press further and higher. Uh, so just 30 seconds before this event, actually, uh, you, you see him like in the di- number 10 position, trying to encourage the team to press further uh, and higher uh, and more aggressively. Uh, and and then all that sort of stuff transpires uh, as he's coming back. But yeah, um, that didn't quite help uh, because um, Isak played in um, wherever it was uh, on the right side, who, who then crossed it over. But yeah, um, I, I think that, that that was more so that the Van Dyke thing was actually more so about trying to raise the level more after that penalty miss and make sure that the that the team just sort of really sort of um, punished. Uh, Newcastle made sure that, that there were no mistakes for them to to, to take. But yeah, I, I wasn't too worried. But um, yeah, I, I, think, okay. I think I've gone into a bit more detail than needed. No, there, no worries, but... no worries, Hamza. Um, I mean, one man who wasn't worried was perfectly relaxed. Obviously, was Simon Brundish. So, like, where were you sitting in the stadium last night? Where was I last night? Well, I, I thought you were in the stadium for it last night. No, 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 I was fine. All right. Um, I was going to say, I was going to ask, what angle did you have of the trench shot? Where he hit the woodwork on thirty nine minutes, would oh. that have been? Would that have been the greatest goal 
um, in history. <laughs> it would have been very funny. Um, he, wait, uh, as we were talking in the group, uh, and I think he's in this headspace right now where he's trying to be the most expansive version of this thing that he has now discovered he can He has be. been fucking good, you know, the last yeah. half dozen games. Absolutely yeah, really unreal good. But he's been his is uh, definitely going towards uh, being the next Gareth Bale. Um, well, I can live with that. He he's done being a defender right now. I can uh, live with him being uh, the next Gareth Bale. That oh great! I'll sign me up. Um, we just better make allowances for it in the squad. But like the the rebound from the pen, he should have just squared it to one of the three lads. Yeah. Totally unmarked. And, it's just one of those ones that was no looping goalie. and wouldn't sit, wasn't it? It just looped and looped and looped and it just wouldn't he just sit. Went, he just, yeah. it, it, but the thing that he's doing right now is going for the most spectacular version. Yeah. Which, fair enough, because he can, he's, you know, technically he can do all those things and it's great fun. And as long as we're winning, I don't care why, he, why he's experimenting with this stuff. Uh, it would have been a sexy goal if he'd have scored it. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you were you were you were much more relaxed than us. Eighteen shots to one at half time, despite the missed chances. The Newcastle. Um, did you get any jitters from that uh, Newcastle? Um, we were absolutely goal? battering them. They they we've talked about this many times. That I think there are a bunch of teams in the league who are a bit of a myth, and Newcastle are one of them. And um, they're living they're they're living off a bit of a legacy from the the run of myth them they had last season. Even they're. Kind of wank. Um, I, I fully expected us to, to win by three, uh, and sadly, they skanked two goals. So I was a bit, I was a bit wrong. But um, my, my faith that the thing I was, the process that was happening on the pitch was the best version of um, this Klopp side we have seen. It felt like when we fir- it, it either it felt like when Naby got dropped into midfield. Or then there was a moment three seasons ago, two seasons ago, I don't know, where, where Thiago suddenly had a run and then everything just changed. Mm. And this is what we have in this game. And to be fair, it probably started in the Caribou. The enough rotation probably caused enough regular interactions between the midfield so that their timing and synchronization started to work and it's it's looked better. Even even against Burnley, uh, I thought we were going to absolutely whack them because our process was better than everybody else seemed to think. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe you were confident. You, you did like our process more than me and Bart's did anyway, it's for sure. Yeah, that's all. And I, I think this might be us now, which will be absolutely tremendous if if we can manage to do this without having the best player on the planet on the, on the pitch. Yeah. Um, but um, the only thing I was in my back of my mind was that I'd seen this movie once before this season at Luton, where we'd had, I think, six big chances, four XG, just under four XG, and we had a 1-1 draw. And I was thinking, this looks spookily familiar, and we've missed a pen. Um, where were you on this um, yeah, I, journey I, I, of emotions? Of emotions. I felt more positive than you in this one. I did because I was, I thought we were curating. I mean, even that period from 15 through to half time, we had like 13 shots. Yeah. All big, chances. all big chances. We had four on target. You know, you had an average XG per shot of over 50, of 1.15. You know, it, it, when you look back at it, Size, size probably very, very comfortable to set where he is. But I also think, as I've said, I think we have, we've clicked in, for me, we've clicked into a gear. 
if this is how we're going to be going forward and we can make it work, I think that Burnley might be a bit of a blueprint of how we make it work without without Mo. Um, then, yeah, this this could be a really exciting period for us. But no, at the time, I know what you mean. You miss a penalty. Like the Leicester away game you spoke about in the, in the intro uh, in one of the title charging seasons where Mo misses a penalty. He comes back. Just come back from Afghan, didn't he? He missed a penalty. We actually yeah. battered them and they scored with basically their only chance and lose the game. And I'm like, oh, man, it's hellish weather. You could see the ball started to keep up in uh, on the turf a little bit with the water. We're well, not quite water, but it was it wasn't running as well as yeah, it did. Yeah, like Dom's pass, you could have thrown it in Diaz, I think, in the latter part of the first half, and it, yeah, it got caught up. Literally caught up in standing water. Caught up in standing water. So there was an element. I was like, ah, because for all of that first fifth, I mean, Trent should have scored in the first two minutes. Uh, I agree with Saar with that penalty. I don't know what he's trying to do there. Just square it. There's three players unmarked. Play the percentages. I'll always say that about every player. Um, I just, yeah, there was an element of me going, how ah, are we not winning this at half time? But I said, when I rewatched it, I, I probably I smacked myself and said, well, we were worried. It was just the process was clearly there. We were generating chances. We were. We were rapid when we scored two goals, pretty much exactly the same as we'll come on to in the second half. Yeah, but like what I was thinking about was Luton was we'd had exactly the same. We created so many chances against Luton. Yeah, and then we got one nil down, and we only equalised in you know fourth minute stoppage time. You know, yeah. did we create that many chances, or do did we just have that many shots? That's yeah, I, that's I don't think you're being. The I thought we had. I thought we had six big chances against. No, I thought we had six big chances against Luton. That's all. Against Luton, I'll look it up. I know we had the set big pieces. one we chatted about. Set piece chances. All right, and Nunes. Nunes open play was the big chance. Yeah, um, that's something that did worry me about some of the earlier ones we were missing. I was like, oh, cannot one of these just go in? But um, no, it, I, I, on a rewatch, is often great without the emotion. I shouldn't have worried. Really, we were fine. <laughs> um, so, um, do you want to say anything about Nunes before we move on? In fairness to him, uh, eight shots. He shoots too much, but um, he didn't at a very good time, which is great. Uh, and he played a significant role in that, like big goal. Um, he is he is second in the team in big assists, um, which is awesome. I don't think his failure to score three big chances, which is huge in this game, because he's 1.7 XG, monster. eight shots, 2.2 on target, 2.2 XG on target. I don't think it's the same as the other games. I think he took decent shots. It If we took this game in its as a standalone, <clears throat> he was just a bit unlucky with, with a keeper making saves. Yeah. And, um, he probably got. Uh, he's he's on the end of uh, bad maths in the the two of the big chances that were called big chances because they were rapid. Knee, one was rapid at knee height. It was really hard adjustment to get that, and the other one was point blank, and the keeper was right in his way. Um, so, in a standalone game, he was really unlucky. We sadly had the context of eighteen months. Yeah. Um. So. We talk about the process being really, really good. Darwin's obviously a part of that process, right? Yeah. Um, I think I guess the biggest thing he does is he occupies at least two defenders at all times, pretty much. And and he also does the thing that, that Hamza was talking about. Um, he separates the defence from the attack, the opposition's defence from the, t- the attack. They're terrified he's running in behind. Yeah. Most of the time he's stood offside. 
But Newcastle more than most as well because of what he did to them at the return fixture. So. Yeah, for sure. They're going to be terrified. But even my point, even by facetiously talking about how offside he is because he's going to break the offside record this year, um, is that while whilst he is making the running behind, even if they're smartly pressing, uh, like stepping out to catch him offside, he's still in their head. He's still he's still um, a distraction to them to whatever else is going on on the pitch. So he's still causing space for the midfielders, for the other forwards. Um, he, 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 what's the right, the right word? He focuses the attention of, of more than one opposition player at any one time in a way that Gakpo doesn't. Yeah. For sure. Um, Hamza, you are, was considered is part of your job to be considered. Um, where do you stand on the whole Darwin Nunes curate's egg of a problem? Um, well, uh, uh, we've got to get that quote out from um, Ian Graham. Ian Graham, yeah. Let me just get it, it up. The, uh, the point that Ian Graham makes is that um, what? Well, it's not specifically about Nunez, but. It, 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 it's a general point now. about when you, you one one attribute which is really really valuable. So I'll read the quote in its entirety. Um, so from here, uh, people don't like the theory that the best players win the game. Graham said, uh, "People love to mystify that there's some uh, that there has to be some magic about football that's not easy to measure." A scout or coach would say, "Why do we like this forward?" His team would respond, "He takes loads of really good shots." The scout or coach would counter, "Yeah, but does he drive inside enough? Does he bring enough teammates into play?" but we're playing them up front. He takes loads of good quality shots. There's literally nothing else to say. All other arguments, they're second order effects compared to this. But people love to mystify and bring more and more factors into play. A use of the data is just to say, this is the important thing and we might be wrong about it. We sometimes are wrong, but uh, but you really have to come up with some really good arguments against this one really important thing. And that's from um, Ian Graham speaking to um, Ryan O'Hanlon in ESPN. Uh, Ian Graham yep. also spoke to um, uh, Rory Smith uh, in an in an interview for his newsletter as well. So if anyone hasn't read either of those pieces, read those. They're very good. Uh, the the point being here though is that what what Darwin Nunez does is he takes a lot of good shots from high value positions. So he's yep. getting loads of xG, and that in itself is enormously valuable because what we're looking for in football is goals. <laughs> Uh, and usually um, the football is a low-scoring sport, so if you score one goal, that is enormously valuable. That's the whole idea behind why City are willing to sacrifice playing, well, essentially play with, with um, one few outfielder uh, because they have Haaland, who takes like 20 touches a match, uh, because he scores goals. That's that's the, the whole sort of idea there. If a yeah. guy scores goals, it's immensely valuable, and it outweighs most other considerations. If it's someone who's good with... With possession, yeah, it's a touch nice, yeah. Can they can they dribble? Yeah, all cool, right? And all features of a system, but the the primary function of the system is to score goals and not concede goals, uh, yeah. and that's what 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 Nunez is meant to do, right? Um, but uh, what what I will say in in Nunez's defense, even though he's not con- converting as as many goals as he should. Uh, is that point that, that Simon just touched on and what Klomp mentioned after the match is that what Nunez does is he occupies players uh, uh, just by sheer presence, by his physicality. Uh, he, his gravity brings players towards him. So not only does he create shots and have lots of shots, his position in itself also creates opportunities for teammates as well. 
yeah. Diaz, for example, can well. That again is a discussion to be had about how, how Diaz builds his relationship with Nunez. But if you've got a player like Nunez, you have more space to run into because he track he tracks centre backs and and yes. defenders. Likewise, Salah. Salah now has the opportunity where teams are may not double up on him because they know there's a really quick, strong guy in the box that's going to get shots away. And they're also wary that Salah at any sort of point can just flick a ball around the corner and find him because he's quick and strong. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the big issue is this, this underperformance. Um, so like uh, uh, maybe a 0.5 XG chance uh, doesn't quite translate to him uh, as as a 0.5 at the moment. And in fact, mm. th- that, that chance that you had early on was 0.52, right? The one that you mentioned. I thought... Yeah, it was... edge of the six-shot box, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, personally, I, uh, on first glance, uh, as I said, I thought it was a bit high, but on, on reflection, I think it's probably about about right. Although, maybe you took the wrong wrong sort of technique. Uh, trying to glance at a ball that's coming across you is a lot harder than just trying to strike a stroke against it. So if you went for the near post, that might have been a bit more sort of um, uh, productive. But uh, but yeah, to, to come back to the main thing... Um, yeah, it's a bit of a problem um, that he's not converting uh, his chances uh, mm. and that seems to be eating into the opportunity that other players have to get into scoring opportunities. Uh, often we've seen... So, can, I just bring, yeah. can I bring in the professor here? Mm. Uh, um, well, yeah, because uh, um, obviously you, you were very clear. You potentially could have been working with Ian Graham at one point um, if things had gone a different path, uh, Bart. So, yeah. um, I don't know if it was the same level you were, you were, you were used coming in above your what, but, um, you know, if Ian had said that to you, what, what would have your challenge been as a professional, as a, you know, in that environment to him? I've, I've, I've just come back, but um, I read the quote. I think it's, I would have challenged him to say, or oh, that's a bit. Uh, what do you say sometimes? Um, it's a bit uh, diluted. It's a bit sim- uh, simplistic. Reductive. Uh, reductive. I would have said that's a bit reductive for a very complex system, and would have had a discussion then about you know you've built a, a, a built a, a side at Liverpool based on a on a model uh, of as we've said a preamble of XT. You can't. I don't think you can then come up mm. with a reductive argument saying it's just about this. Mm. Um, I would have had a discussion do, about. Do you- would you have liked to? Would you have liked to have seen his assumptions in that? I would have uh, loved state. to have seen his. Yeah, <laughs> I would have because I'm knowing it, the limited it, experience I've had with Ian is that he does generally have it. You know, he has caveats with things. He'll have baseline he, assumptions, which you say these things yeah. from, which it is was, like an, a league average or better, the average of conversion yeah. rates. For example, I, I would have. I would have, I would have expected somewhere along the line in that conversation that may have not been included in, in the written piece to have been <laughs> His like footnotes. <laughs> footnotes to have said, well, oh, oh, the caveat being that they perform at league average or XG zero, you know, neutral, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I would have expected him to say, but my my challenge to him would have been a bit, that's a bit reductive. Ian, what do you think? Uh, how else would you assess this? You know that that kind of thing. Um, probably would have been the lines I've gone down. But he's, he's as I said, I've only had I've only been in um a room with him once and i wasn't just wasn't just me and he was he's very good at talking exactly as is written in the, in the copy but he will often give caveats and baselines to what he would say uh, as many of us do at that level if you hear me talk mm-hmm. for too long I'll give you caveat upon caveat upon caveat so um mm-hmm. 
And, and just to say you would have come in above me, Jesus Christ, it's Ian Graham. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, it's, uh, outrageous. I, I know my oh, place. I, I know yeah. my place in the world. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, let's go on to the fun stuff. Sai, uh, second half. Um, we did look a little bit headless chicken towards the last 10 of the first half. Things were getting to us. The crowd was booing the ref mercilessly. Second half, right from the right from the kickoff, we'd regrouped and we we looked like a different animal, I thought. Yeah, I, I think I think the pen miss got to Mo a little bit. I thought he played right well before the pen, the penalty. Uh, and retrospectively, everyone thought he was terrible. Um, but I thought, obviously, the big Darwin chance that he created. Um, uh, but into the box, he was... He, uh, in this game, he had 19 touches in the box and five... Uh, I think he had... 20. A combination of 13... Carries and passes into the box as well, which is so. Remember, remember the game against Arsenal last year when he had the most touches in the box in the in a Premier League match. That was twenty one. Yeah, and he, had, and he had twenty in this match. Right, phenomenal. Um, uh, yeah. Um, but definitely, they. I think they went in, and if you listen to Mo, what they did was calm themselves. Yeah. Um, they did look uh, exactly what it looked like. They, yeah. Because the, the the ref didn't help, because and the fans sometimes don't help, and I'm one of those. Um, the ref started doing a couple of dickhead things, and it riled the fans. Which yeah, the Joe great. Linton, the, the advantage, and then not booking Joe Linton was the egregious exactly. one. Exactly, and then and then like two minutes later, Joe Linton should have been booked again. Yeah. Um, and I think Joel, Joel Linton could have been booked five times in this game. <laughs> he could have, actually. Um, and that just started. I, I don't think uh, Anthony Taylor had a bad game apart from that, really. Um, that that opened the door to questionable decisions later on because he allowed that to go, which caused caused the players to go. Well, you allowed that to go and caused arguments amongst them. And, and so that like drifted. But the, the uh, halftime, it allowed them to focus... Um, remember the thing, the process that they were applying in the first half was working, and they came out and it worked. And, it- and the, that first goal, right? They, they can do it. The street, the street ballers, as we call them, they can do it, right? Why, why can't we do this? Why can't we do this more often? Well, you need the transition moment, don't you? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So you need the opposition to come out. But I just mean I just meant combining them, actually passing to each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but you still need the space of that. That's 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 all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is kind of what happened. Um, it. Uh, do you know what? Nobody's talked about the role that Zobo played in this. Go on. Um, so apart from dry, uh, the, picking up the the it was, it was the first because remember I'm Darwin. it was the fir- it was the first goal was Zabo was a big involvement on the halfway yeah yeah um, the Darwin laid the ball off didn't he yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, I um, and so he carried it thirty yards uh, laid it into Diaz who laid in a, a really nice pass I, I actually think both both the well, you need a little bit of luck I, I thought I thought we had two passes in there that ended up going to a player that worked out better than they were intended to uh, I, I thought Darwin's pass was to Mo I thought Diaz's pass was to Mo um, whatever doesn't matter worked out beautifully in the end but if you watch Diaz, uh, Zobo picking the ball up uh, 20 metres inside our own half, sprinted the whole length of the pitch and committed both um, the uh, English grok twat that plays in midfield for them, Longstaff, um, and also Shah uh, over 
over to his side for making the third man off the ball run, which left a gap between Shah and um, Botman for Mo to be unmarked. Yeah. Um, so without that, he'd had he'd have been in between two defenders. He probably still would have scored because he's brilliant, but it makes it so much harder. Yeah. And and a lovely layback from uh, from Darwin, and we scored two goals from the hot zone. Who knew? Yeah. Um, and then took a punch. Bart's talks about Anthony Gordon um, and his positioning. He switches to the left, beats. Salah, is it Salah and Trent? He goes between them and he commits two more players. And yeah, then Dom's in there as well. Dom's in there. He, he, he basically takes four players out of the game. Yeah. And he puts a nice, down. Puts a nice down ball down. in. But yeah. Van Dijk isn't as tight as he should be. And, and it's an absolutely brilliant goal. And you're thinking, fucking hell. Yeah, I think, as I mentioned something, I think Van Dijk drops off a little bit for this one, which is a bit odd because Canate is high. Did he expect um, the other four players over on the right to deal with Gordon? <laughs> Probably. I mean, to be honest with you, four versus Gordon, you yeah. you would have backed our guys considering we started that well to come out with a ball. Yeah. But then having dropped off, I don't know why he just doesn't go and engage with the player. Like, he just sort of, I don't know, he just doesn't get tired at any point. when he ha- I think he had the opportunity to catch him up, get tired and block the shot off, but he doesn't. Um, it's a great finish. I mean, it's probably something that... I know you guys were chatting about um, Darwin's finishing. It, it's it's a finish that I think Darwin needs to add to his repertoire, should we say? Because uh, Isaac is one on one and just bends it in the in the opposite he, corner. He, he, well, he lifts it, doesn't it? That's the he lifts thing. it. It's, yeah. it's a curling lift. It's it's the exact finish. If you can't go around a keeper in that situation, yeah. you're going to bend it around in that way. So then that worked well. But yeah, I, I still I was watching it back again no, today. Not, there's, was, there's not that many players who will make Van Dijk and Allison look so ordinary in one move. No, for sure. For sure, but I, I still think I think Vidi really could do a little bit better. But yeah, he could. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But I think yeah, that you want his one v one with Allison, knowing how good he is, and we know all stats. We said about it on this pod all season uh, to to do, to do that to Allison to make him look like a passenger. Um, it's actually a, a thing about both goals. Allison, I don't think could have done anything with either of them. Yeah, but as I said to you on the group last night, not necessarily a bad thing to take the heat out of some of our some of the heat out of our defensive numbers, and we still win the game. Yeah, I mean they scored two from 0.59 xg, which yeah. I mean you I and mean, I in, a, in a normal game, else. in a normal game, you're annoyed about that, aren't you? So, yeah, yeah. In, in, yeah, we lose two one or something, and the opposition's yeah. got two from 0.59 xg. You know, yeah, yeah. Now you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it's back to one one, um, um, Hamza. But we make uh, we make our first subs of the game, but it doesn't really affect us in this match like it did in the Arsenal game. Uh, yeah, uh, well, um, having Jota come on uh, he is quite a big uh, difference maker. Um, he is. And because uh, the... Sorry, uh, again, it's something as we've discussed before, the way that Salah can sort of do everything in the attack. Uh, Jota is probably the, the closest to him in being able to link play and also create a bit and finish as well quite clinically uh, Gakpo obviously is a, is a bit different Diaz is yeah. the dribbler and uh, Nunez is the shot taker but uh, but yeah if there's a spectrum uh, Jota would be the closest to Salah in what he offers because he's he, he's quite sharp functional able to dribble in midfield yeah. uh, and do all that sort of stuff uh, but yeah uh, Sobosly also needed to come off because uh, yeah. uh, he, he was due to come off a minute earlier and, th- and then he pulled the hamstring, uh, which is uh, a bit unfortunate. Do we have, uh, just, can I guess from the guys, do we have a diagnosis yet on that, on the Dom injury, a prognosis? 
I've not heard anything. Um, he can't have heard either. I don't, I don't know. I've not heard anything. Okay. So I might have heard something. Can't be today. They won't even know. Yeah. yeah. Does it? You, does it look minor, or can't you tell? He does it from a sprint into the box. Oh. So it's not like a shot taken action, but I don't know. He, 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 he's fatigued probably, um, but we'll okay. see. It scans today. We'll find out. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Sorry, Hamza. That's all right. Uh, but um, the the balance of the attack changed because slightly because uh, Jota went through the middle uh, and Gakpo was on the left. Uh, so, so it just changed the... Where he the played against for- Burnley as well. Mm. Sort of continuation, which is interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, and um, uh, we we know the values of Jota playing. As an, I, I remember a number of years ago... Um, when he first said in the Champions League, was that the Atlanta Atalanta match? He was excellent in in that game. I think. Yeah. I think it was that match. Uh, but yeah, um, it just just adds a little bit more nastiness to the front line. Uh, and within a minute of them coming on, uh, it, it, you could you notice that it was different to the Arsenal match in that the fluency still remained, uh, even though I don't think Robin Burke sort of uh, fitted in as seamlessly as Jota and, and Gakpo did. Uh, there's a shot straight away. Curtis has his effort to, uh, cleared off the line, uh, and so yeah, uh, often with substitutes you can lose a bit of that that, that fluency and rhythm. But that and, that wasn't the case here. And Jota and Jota was involved, didn't score, but Jota was involved in that go that go ahead goal, um, Hamza. Um, and what a tremendous run for to, to offer the space to get into the space for Mo Salah to pass it. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, that was um, a beautiful blindside off the shoulder run that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, as Salah comes in off the right. Um, uh, Jota makes that movement uh, just sort of um, between uh, the, the shame. The one, the one thing here was I think the, the, the Sky replay uh, operator didn't show uh, the ball was in Allison's hands and then it suddenly was with Salah. So I, I don't know the exact process that, that, that led to that. And Sai following that bang, bang, it was 3-1 with an unbelievable assist from Mo Salah. Well, yeah, he he got the ball. He waited. He waited. He waited. He saw he saw a fella in the middle that could do nothing but deflect the ball into the goal with an unbelievable outside of the foot pass. It was better than Emery Chan's at Southampton. Was was it better than his hockey assist for for the Jones goal? Yeah, 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 yeah. The the um, we're in this weird position, right? I don't understand how I. I don't understand how Mo Salah needs advocates in fan media. <laughs> it makes no sense to me that we have a player this very obviously great that needs defending from his own fans. And not only from his own fans, from the media pundits that used to play for Liverpool, who should be hugely pro Mo Salah, and they just aren't. It makes no sense to me. I had to watch how they talked about very nicely, as as Hamza put, um, that Jota made a really, really nice run. Um, but if you watch these, it, it's happened a lot of times this season. Sometimes Mo very obviously uh, does this, <laughs> makes the run, which leads Trent's pass. Um, and they have this synergy, which is brilliant, and and one can just tip off the other with a with a drop of the shoulder or with the first movement, and it leads to it leads to the pass arriving at most feet at some point. But in this in this, it wasn't Mo passing to the run of Jota; it was Jota chasing the pass that Mo made that was yeah. perfectly weighted. 
Um, it was a brilliant pass, and it was a great run that got on the end of it and pulled back to yet another brilliant um, run from uh, one of the eights into the box. Yeah. So, it, uh, do you think we took three think- goals? We had two eights playing significant roles by getting in, getting their asses into the box. Do you think we take him for granted, say? No, Salah. Yeah. Of course. It's like this is his sixth season now, is it? Sustained excellence. Seven. Seven. And it's absolutely absurd. I Weirdly, I never listen to the radio. And for... And for I, I, Except our I podcast in, when you're not on them, of course. Yeah. Where I live in my village, um, uh, just getting to my village, we've got like significant black spots of of like uh, of mobile phone coverage. And so my Wi-Fi dropped out of the car. So uh, what I were, whatever podcast I was listening to wasn't downloaded and it just cut out. So I flipped onto um, uh, Five Live before the game. And Chris Sutton, you know, um, was jabbering away. Um, defending Mo Salah to to three other pundits on on Five Live, basically wow. calling them idiots because they won't miss him during Afcon. And do you understand? He, he said, "Do you understand how good a pl- his output has been? You don't have footballers that have goal goals and assists for seven successive yeah. seasons that this fella has had. Yeah, twenty two goal involvements in twenty appearances this season in the Premier League." Incredible. He, he he literally leads the league in goals and assists and big chances created. Not only the league, Europe. Yeah. T- tw- in this game, 20 touches in the box, um, six shots, uh, four chances created. Two big <laughs> in- chances created. In- including the pens, 3.9 XG plus XA. Astonishing. Uh, four out of four shots on target. Just unbelievable. And 20 touches in the opposition box. Just... Oh. Wow, he, yeah. he, he is he is on course he to be leads the league the, and Liverpool in in like fifteen different categories. Carries into the box, how we get the ball into the box, whether it's a pass or a carry. Touches inside the box, big chances created, big chances scored, hockey assists. Mm. He is the fella creating the goal, creating the pass before the chance, and the fella finishing it off. And yeah. it's still not good enough for most of our fans. Well, not, maybe we not most. That's hard. I think we said first thing two months ago, um, if he carries on like he was, he will win um, football writers, football player of the year for the third time. And he will be the first to do that. And that will make him the greatest player in the history of the Premier League. Because he, he will be the only player to have won it three times. I think unless Haaland, or Haaland comes back and does Catches fire. Ordinary, yeah. I don't think there's anybody else to compete with him right now. No. Because the right. other media darling is left to go to beat up on puddings in Bay- in uh, Bundesliga. Yeah. Yeah, the only yeah, one. He has go- half of the goals this season. Uh, just just over 50% for Liverpool. Wow. Yeah, it's typical. Last season he had 50 goals and assists. He, was, he was involved in 54% of the goals. It's very normal. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. We take it for granted. It's just very normal for him. It's yeah. absurd how normal it all is. Yeah. If you look at sort of like progressive involvement, so like carries, passes, and passes received, he's he's third in the league. Uh, and if it's just progressive passes received, he's second. If it's just progressive passes, this is all players, by the way. He's uh he's twentieth, and he's tenth for progressive carries as well. Uh, the issue, I think, is uh, given he's so high for progressive passes received, uh, how Liverpool go about rebalancing the attack in his absence. But, given that but he has from the, forwards, he's number one of progressive passes delivered. Mm. Yeah, uh, 
and, and and then you get into stuff like uh the XA or the key passes. So for example, uh, he's at 0.3 XA um of Liverpool players this season on my sheet. Uh, Elliot is slightly higher, but his minutes are negligible. So, uh, uh, yeah, the next best is Trent at 0.25. In terms of assists, he's going at no- Salah's going at 0.41. Nunez is higher, but Nunez's XA is, is a, so his assists are 0.48, but his XA is 0.18. There's a big gap there. So, he, but they're all to mo. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Uh, and uh, I think Salah laid off a few really good chances. Two that really stick out to to Nunez that he didn't get assists for. There's one that hit the post and was an own goal from Matty Cash, and then there's another one in a, cu- a few games after that. Uh, likewise, passing the penalty area, two point two eight um, of players that played more. Well, no, actually, he's also the player with the most minutes as well. Uh, uh, so yeah, um, there's there's a lot of things just beyond the goals and assists. Uh, that that Salah offers uh, that are going to be just quite hard to 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 replace. And I, I think that the only way to do that is not just to. Put I would wager. Right I would wager that it's not quite hard. It's actually impossible. I don't, I don't think we can re- replace that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but but if uh, as you've mentioned before, Dan, uh, if you are going to sort of go about sort of recreating Salah in the in the aggregate, uh, you're going to need a lot more uh, yeah. output. So from, I think from I'll just and. Uh, and Nunez and just Gakpo. like the just like the Villa game, uh, the way the West Ham game. Sorry, there you go. My, my Villa and West Ham confusion again. I am David Cameron. I'm, I do apologise. Um, so, <laughs> just like the West Ham game, we can have we can have mini mini Salah with Harvey Elliott in that right side, creative forward role. Could be quite or interesting. For the three games that really matter, we just got to score from set pieces. Yeah, which is very possible. Yeah, we're underperforming them this season. I think. Yeah, so um, we are well, we are due. We are due. There's a fifty P head. Twice. Yeah, uh, look currently we have seven point eight six XG four from set pieces, hundred and one shots, but just five goals. So yeah. Uh, that's good. I'll five. take that. Gonna come that's gonna equalise soon. Uh, talking about set pieces, but um somehow Newcastle will end up getting a mismatch where Sven Botman is being marked by Diogo Jota and he sort of barges it into our net, which is a bit annoying. Yeah, I, I was I was contemplating whether it's Canato or not, but it's sort of in between, he runs in between Canato and Jota and just ends up, yeah, just basically a free header and puts it in the yeah, net. I think, I think he might be seven inches taller than well, Diogo. So. Yeah, but isn't this one of his stats that when he was in France, he was exceptional at? Uh, headers uh, from set place right. when, when we were looking at him potentially right. coming in it was one of his attributes um that he was he was really a good season was, was it Lille Lille I seem to remember it was Lille yeah yeah um and one of the reasons they were so high in the league that year so yeah it's not a surprise but as you say it's a bit of a mismatch but I'm I'm not entirely convinced that isn't Canate is supposed to be dealing with that um, because I think it was at Arsenal. Uh, you guys were chatting about we were chatting about um with the free kick we conceded goal there. That was Canate's error as well for not competing with um the scorer. So with Gabriel wasn't it or Martin it whatever it was. So yeah, it's just a bit of a trend maybe with with Canate there. And after conceding six xg, this seemed to create so much fume. This next decision of the second penalty, Bart. Yeah, just ridiculous amounts of this. It was. Okay, you could say he could have stayed on his feet, but I remember a penalty he wasn't given, but being blatantly barged over at Tottenham. Oh yeah, I mean, let's roll it back a bit though. That 
Mac comes on at this time, by the way, and oh, yeah. Endo goes off, and we say thank you very much. Have a well great played Endo, by the way. Yeah, well, well played Endo. You've been, you've actually, I think you've been a, a real stalwart and, and spark to help provide a platform. Mac comes on smart, already playing vertical passes within his first few touches, and this one. I mean, uh, packing stats alert. I think he plays it through six players, five, six players. Yeah. Uh, either needle stuff, Jota's through and on goal. And there's a different feeling, isn't it, when Jota's through on goal? You know something's... I'm really quite good at this. But, um, yeah, I'm. there's a lot of fume about this. People are saying, well, without that, Newcastle were, were in the game and it would have been could have been, you know, three or what. I'm just not convinced. I think they were absolutely um, on the receiving end of fraud intense purposes what Katie would have called a paddling if it had not been a few little bits here and there and I mean if the if it was on the other side right I think we'd all be sitting there going I think that penalty is a bit yeah I think we'd all be probably a little bit annoyed but he does the keeper does catch him does he go yeah, down and the he's stages? Got, and he's gone round him. Yeah. He'd gone he's round gone the round him. And then he's yeah, and he's and got was caught. A, and he yeah. as soon as he put that foot down that had been caught, he went over. Um but the few that come out, I mean Wrighty and Shearer both saying that's absolutely shocking. Why why is he not put it into an empty air? Both of them have been have done, I should imagine, uh, about the same. Um I just for me the he gets clipped on that foot as soon as that foot that's been clipped goes down it gets gets put down and he, he goes over um, but yeah I, I don't understand the humour I, I don't think in the context of the game it really mattered did it really matter did you any of us think we were going to lose at that point I don't think we were um, I think if anything we just created more chances as we did in the latter part of the game I and mean, we, we still had several big chances to to occur in the last sort of 10 minutes of play after the penalty so yeah I, I don't understand the fume uh, Eddie Howe coming out defending himself in position saying he wasn't sure about either penalty uh, and that they he felt that they should have had one was it Endo on one of their players uh, on 2-1 maybe and he was arguing that point but um, no I I'm on with you. I don't understand the fume. It was given on field, which I was shocked about to be start off with, and VAR confirmed it. It's a penalty. Get on with it. Yeah, and um, and and it was nice to see that maybe um, Mo goes back to his pre-game plan and um, goes across his body and into the uh, bottom corner. Beautiful yeah. pen. Beautiful pen. And that, that's I, I don't know. A side got the breakdown when where Mo puts his penalties. So I would suggest he puts a lot more of them in the side name than does down the middle. Uh, he goes forty percent down the middle. Yeah, the ones, the two, two of the ones he's missed in this burst have actually missed the target completely. He actually yeah. stuck him outside the post, didn't he? Well, there was one against Forest, I think, and there was one against Bournemouth and Arsenal. Bournemouth, Bournemouth was Bournemouth. it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it was it was a good pen, it was a good penalty strike. I, I think you is. Did you see we started doing the protecting the spot thing and the ball? So Trent stands on the spot, protecting yeah. the penalty spot. Someone yeah, else was nice after that. the ball. It's just, it's just a bit of it. It all comes into this pattern of a shift in our behaviours as a team, mm. moving into gear from getting things right to now, like right, actually, boys, we're about winning these games. Yeah, we're about getting the points on the board, and this is what we're going to do. Uh, yeah. I just quite like like VVD bollocking uh, Trent on thirty minutes because he mishit across your path. You know it, that that kind of stuff about standards. This is what we do as a team. I think there's little things just starting to occur as we go along, which is good to yeah. see for me. Yeah. Um, and any other business chaps to finish off glorious 
Any random can things you want to put the match? Can we just poke a hole in that sheer, uh, that general narrative, Gary Neville's a prick bullshit, right? Yes. So, well, we all so know he's a prick. Let's just take uh, our XG for this game. Let's let's just go in the middle and say it's seven, right? A record-breaking, Premier League record-breaking seven XG. But there were two penalties. Okay, penalties get 1.76 XG, right? So let's take one and a half off that. Five and a half XG. You mean a record-breaking five and a half XG from known penalties? Yeah. But if those two penalties weren't given... Did, did the game stop or what might have happened straight after those fouls that didn't occur, right? So if that foul hadn't occurred on Diaz, he would have had a shot from where? The edge of the six-yard box. Yeah, so we're talking with, a point five chance. Same Jota, it, same with Jota. Exactly. So you're talking at least six and a half XG already on top of the record breaking five and a half XG pummeling that Newcastle took. Eddie was just trying to save his fucking job. Yeah, 100%. We would have scored. I were an absolute utter disgrace for, for the way they undermined the massive pummeling that Newcastle took in this game. Um, Hamza, you lost your sound before. Uh, any final thoughts from you on this one? I'll give you the last word on this one. Um, I, I thought Gakpo's finish was rubbish, but the pass is really nice. And I think, and, and I say this with, with a large degree of sincerity, um, I think a great deal of the frustration that Liverpool fans would have had during the match uh, would have been very real, but it wouldn't have been caused by the match, but by the the commentary uh honestly i, I think uh, i was watching the match and i was enjoying it and then i was hearing some commentary uh that was just in like the wrong reading of the match and it really it sort of utter like, drivel as in the, the moments where y- you'd see a stat pop up and you'd have the wrong interpretation of it or yeah and uh, I, I think that honestly that that kind of ruined the enjoy i think side listens with the with the with it muted i think so um i think he, he that's why he enjoyed it a bit more than everyone else but yeah I, 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 honestly i reckon that colored a lot of people's perception so of that the can match. be everybody's new year's resolution is to mute gary neville and enjoy the match yeah and not listen to his absolute drivel uh but yeah another goal for gakpo uh he's his xg isn't that bad he yeah, he, he gets into good up. positions in six-hour box. That, to be fair, he does, absolutely. But we will be back for a double cup pod um, at the end of next week, some after the Fulham game, to be confirmed. But it will either be Thursday or Friday next week. Uh, and then who knows what twists and turns our season will take from that point. But until then, up the fucking Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows.
Social Podcast Network.